Welcome to Belief Busters Podcast, where we change the world one belief at a time. True transformation happens when we question if the beliefs we hold are of truth, or simply someone else's belief that we have internalized as our own. I'm your host, Rev. Cherie Taylor-Jones, and I'm glad you could join us on the journey. Today, we are going to have a really interesting conversation. We're going to do a deep dive into something that's kind of surreal, but it's also happening in our society right now. Our guest today is Anthony Russo, who is a journalist and has found a calling in his most recent work, a book on cults and conspiracy theorists. And the book is called Dragged into the Light. He suggests that the disillusionment of Christian beliefs have people looking for things that aren't there. Ooh, this is going to be good, Tony. I just know it. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, for having me. I'm, I'm yeah. excited to talk about this. Um, so one of the things that when we were when we were doing kind of like the the pre-interview chat uh, that really kind of struck home for me as as far as what I think that your audience would be interested in is this idea that many of the people, if not most of the people that are now QAnon believers or or people who believe in you know the the hardcore conspiracy theorists are either active or former members of just what what I think we'd like to think of as like normal um, normal maybe conservative but certainly normal religious communities. These are Baptists, you know, maybe some Seventh Day Adventists, but not these aren't they don't start off as maniacs. You know, these these aren't people who are just way out of way out of left field with their beliefs. These are people who are building on beliefs that they've had for a while. You know, I'm building on commonly accepted Christian beliefs. And my argument is that as these beliefs start to fail them, they're looking rather rather than reevaluating, you know, why they believe what they believe, they're looking for more evidence to make their beliefs true, particularly, uh, you know, the whole uh, fire and brimstone and end times, like the end times is really kind of what, what the book focuses on, um, or what the cults focus on, because the end times has been promised for so long, and it keeps not showing up. Right. And every time it doesn't show up there, now people are starting to wonder, well, maybe my preacher doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, maybe my church doesn't know everything that they said they knew. Otherwise, how come they keep saying the world's going to end and it doesn't? So um, you're suggesting that from the Christology of so many religions that Christ is coming again, that there has to be an end times for Christ to come again. And as people become more and more disillusioned with a teaching that is flawed, or, or at least they believe is flawed because they don't have, you know, it, that it's, it's, not, it's not producing for them. And, you know, this, one of the things I think I say in the book is like, imagine being disappointed every day to wake up and find out that the apocalypse hasn't started. Like right. most of us would really rather not be here 
<laughs> you know, I mean, I wish the best for my grandchildren, my great grandchildren, my great great great. I, I wish the best for my future family. I don't, I don't want. If there is an end times apocalypse, they certainly don't want to be present for it. You know, I don't, I don't see any glory in that. And these are people who do, and they feel like they're missing out. But what's interesting is, instead of choosing to look at what the belief system that is um, possibly um, inaccurate or a belief that no longer serves them, they're holding on to this erroneous belief and then looking for pieces that can make it work. Absolutely. Yes. The apocryphal books of the Bible. And so they're the ones that got cut out in an early edit. So like the book of Mary Magdalene, stuff that's in the Dead Sea Scrolls, things like that. And one of those is called the Book of Enoch. And the Book of Enoch reads kind of like a Greek myth, you know, and there are monsters in it. And and Mm -hmm. what what many of these people are saying is, well, the Bible we've been reading doesn't have enough end time stuff in it. But this Book of Enoch, this is really, this is where the real truth is. And why are the churches hiding this from us? You know, rather than saying the churches thought it would be too nuts to include, <laughs> right? <laughs> they're, they're saying, "Oh, well, this is must be the real truth," and they don't want us to know it because they want all the power and knowledge for themselves. It's it's a deep mistrust that both I think the churches in general and also uh, you know our our political leaders in general have vacated. You know, they've they've been willing to give up that sense of trust to to serve whatever their their ends are and in undermining that trust they've sent i think several people many people over the edge what is it that drives these folks to not um, do that intensive introspection of looking at the belief system and the programming that we've gotten you know from the time that we're children to wherever we are now and really wanting to do some reverse engineering and, you know, looking at it from that perspective, as opposed to going to this really dark place of um, cults and conspiracy theorism. For a while, um, the, the, the last project I worked on was called This is War, and it was a podcast. And I interviewed um, a lot of uh, combat veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan. And one of them said something to me, we, I've stayed in touch with a couple of them, and one of them said something to me really amazing recently, talking about how bad depression can get and how easy it is to slip into depression. And what he said was, misery is easy. <laughs> and yeah, and, and when he said that, it, it really is. It's just easier to say, Rather, rather than to hope that things will get better, to admit that they're bad and look for when they're going to get worse, because you're less likely to be disappointed. And you're also, it doesn't take the energy that it takes to make things better. To let things get worse is so much easier. It's because in, in this case, you know, they're talking about you know, going to, going to, to seek uh, psychological help for PTSD. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, you know, that means calling the doctor. That means getting an appointment. That means going every week. That means clearing your schedule. That means making an effort, right? And misery just means doing nothing and letting things get worse. So in the case of the conspiracy people, 
like there are such things as biblical scholars. They are really, really, really bright people. <laughs> you know, for, for if, if you're a biblical scholar, you've got to know four languages, right? And yeah. two of them can't be spoken anymore, right? You've got to know ancient Greek. You've yeah. got to know ancient Latin. And yeah. if you if you say that you're a Bible expert and you don't know those things, that I'm going to have a hard time believing you, because that's that's where the effort is. Like taking a book that you can get for free in, in any hotel in America and telling people what you think about it doesn't doesn't make you an expert on it. But it's easy to do, sure. right? Taking six years of your life to delve into Latin and Greek and history and you know all of the political upheavals that that helped shape the Bible, right. you know, whether the stories, whether there is value in the stories is immaterial. I, I don't think that there aren't, that there isn't value in the stories, but saying that you get comfort from reading the Bible is different from claiming to be a Bible researcher and to have some extra knowledge that the rest of us can't get from just reading the book and sharing our opinion about it. Sure. Sure. What are the prevalent uh, cults that seem to be an easy gateway for folks who have lost faith and trust in organized religion? Well, interestingly, one of the one of the ones that I haven't written about yet, and I don't know if I have the wherewithal, but there are a lot of like self-help cults and not not merely people who have found you know, interesting things that can help you make your life better. For instance, Nexium, right? Nexium is, right. is one of those kind of cults where, you know, a lot of the new agey type cults are just, it's just an easy way to relieve your existential crises without doing any work on yourself. You can, you know, you can just change the interpretation of the world and not improve your vision on it. And that is, again, that misery is easy, right? Well, I'll just I'll just follow this teaching for a while and I can just listen to what they tell me and then I'll be happy. And you are for a while, but eventually you need to do some work. And if you're not going to do the work to come to terms with the world around you, if you're just going to wait for people to tell you how to accept the world around you without you putting any skin in the game to see if it fits with your outlook, then you're going to go down to some dark places. So Nexium is probably the most popular one. Sherry Shriners wasn't so much a, and this is what makes QAnon a difficult problem because Sherry uh, Shriner wasn't a huge cult, but it was an effective one. It's not the reach, it's the message. And Sherry was very effective in amplifying a message that became part of the QAnon conspiracy, a group that you feel you owe allegiance to. It becomes harder to leave because that's where your friends are. Right. So, and it's not, it's, you don't necessarily have to be in a compound. You know, if every day on Facebook, you, you turn on Facebook or, or turn on Facebook, well, I'm going to pick on Facebook and you read all these horrible things, or you don't think they're horrible, but you read all these things that other people think are horrible, but those are your only friends in the whole world. Then it takes a lot to say, well, I'm going to give up all my friends in the whole world because I don't like what they say. You know, a lot of times, especially with cults, there's always enough that you can pretend that the rest doesn't matter, right? Like, well, yeah, the government is out to get me. You know, I don't know if I believe in reptiles, but I don't not believe in reptiles so much that I want to give up my whole friends. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I do, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah, well, well, I because do. I think we, I think we do that a lot. I think there are a lot of there are a lot of people uh, who are in our friend circles, or a lot of times we're we're in a group, and somebody's like says something, and you're like, oh, well, I don't, I don't want to go home, but I don't want to hear just that. Let's change the subject. You know that that kind of that kind of vibe, and then eventually you stop hearing the awful things as awful and it changes your perspective. Your perspective changes as part of your effort to stay in the group rather than because you're convinced of anything. And you often can't tell what you believe in in your heart and what you believe in for the sake of staying in the group anymore. And that's what makes this so sticky because it becomes part of your self-identity. Right. It's very hard to say that we made an, a mistake or an error in judgment. Or I guess and that, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. That's okay. That drives me absolutely bonkers. If you admit that you're wrong, what you're telling people is that you don't have the sense not to admit when you're wrong and therefore you're not trustworthy. I don't, I don't know why it works that way, but once you, once you hear it and you look around for it, it's very easy to see. And as you look at all of the con artists, they don't ever admit that they could be mistaken. Like if you point blank ask them, you said this, they'll say, no, I didn't. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. this is you saying it. Well, you've misinterpreted it. You didn't see the yes. whole thing. Well, this is the whole thing. Yes, but I was commenting on something I'd said. There's no stopping them and except by ignoring them. And that's where it gets frustrating, you know, and then we're like, how does the world get so awful? And it's, well, we, we help to amplify it. Mm. You know, we, we amplify it by our attention and make them cling more fervently to their beliefs because that's, then they feel even more attacked. So let's back up a little bit for our I'm listeners. Sorry, I... No, you're good. <laughs> when we talk about Sherry Schreiner or we talk about QAnon, give us a little history of that, please. Oh, sure. Absolutely. So Sherry Schreiner was, um, she went to Liberty University. She was uh, she wanted to be a uh, a talking head. She wanted to work at like CNN or someplace like that. She wanted to be the conservative voice for the new generation. And this is in the 1990s. She lives in in rural America. She lives in um, Eastern Ohio, and she doesn't really have many resources. You know, she has an education. By the time she was done, you know, she had had uh, at least been in school for five years, and so she starts trying to to drum up business as a maybe like an alternative evangelical kind of preacher you know as a as a prophet there's a there's a group and you can look them up on the internet they're called the prophecy club and it's kind of like a networking thing for people who are prophets after 9-11 um she bought a a program a, a computer program that came on a disc called uh the bible code and okay. I don't know if you recall the Bible code again. I do. Very big, very big in the early 90s. And then once mm -hmm. there were computers, people started making these disks where you could plug in a couple names and then it would show you where they appeared in the Torah and you could do, you could prophesize right. based on those names. So right. she started doing that and she found out all these revelations about herself. A direct descendant of King David um, later on, she would find out she was Jesus's sister. And, you know, there were, and she was preaching as all, as if all this were true and people were believing her as if all this were true. 
and the QAnon, the QAnon tie um, to both is both kind of grew out of the truther movement. Uh-huh. And I like to say this because I think it's very clever. <laughs> of all of the of all of the crazy movements, of all the movements in history, there are very few that we have a date for. But we do have a date for the truther movement, and that is September 12th, 2001. Right. As soon as the as soon as the towers fell, people wanted to know what really happened because it couldn't have just been simple. And that's where the thinking starts. It couldn't just be bad actors. There has to be something larger going on. It has to be the devil. It always has to be the devil. You know, that's what it was in the satanic panic. That's what it was, you know, in the 50s with uh, with uh, juvenile delinquency. You know, kids were getting away from church and they were being delinquents, right? And so as the truther movement and the internet kind of gained power together, um, it became what, it it morphed into what has become known as QAnon, which is just kind of a catch-all for a a bunch of conspiracies. The main ones are that there's a new world order, that's there are a a group of people who control history Mm -hmm. and the future and all the banks. Heads of all of these people have been taken over either by aliens or demons or some sort of external force, even if that external force is just being beholden to someone else. They're not wrong. They're not wrong in that the rich and the powerful do not care about them. Mm -hmm. And they're not wrong in that their governments would betray them and do lie to them. And they're not wrong that many of their preachers can't be trusted to tell them the truth about spirituality. Mm-hmm. But it's not a bigger plan. The only thing they're wrong about is a bigger plan, but they have to, it has to be a bigger plan because as I was saying before, if it's not part of a bigger plan, then you have personal work to do. You have to find a preacher who you trust. <laughs> you, you know, you have to work to, to elect leaders who represent your, your interests. You know, you, you have to stop you know, fetishizing the rich and the powerful and the famous. And that's too hard. So it's easier to say, well, the devil's doing it. What can I do to fight the devil here in my own house? That's a lot easier. I don't think so, but oh okay. no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was um, hopefully hopefully that that came across as a description, yeah. not as a not as a sermon. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. So um one can say that QAnon just is kind of like a global umbrella then for all the like different conspiracy theories, especially when it's talking about the bad guys trying to take over the world kind of thing. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So you espouse these beliefs, but it doesn't necessarily make you part of, of a larger thing. It's more like you're participating in an instance rather than, you know, subscribing to a litany of preset beliefs that everybody has to hold. Like you can be, you can be a QAnon believer, but not believe in reptilians taking Mm -hmm. over people's brains. Mm -hmm. You can just believe that, you know, the, that the people are conspiring against you. When we're talking about this subject of people who are disillusioned by religion, disillusioned by faith leaders, it just seems like this is a, could be a serious issue. If you think about the church going experience, I don't know. um, I think about 
One of the things that I, always drove me crazy was when I would take my children to church and, you know, you'd get it, you'd get in, you'd shake everybody's hand, you hug, you kiss, and, you know, you're all, you're all celebrating the wonder and the spirit of God. And then you go outside and you kill one another trying to get out of the parking lot. <laughs> and, and I'm like, this doesn't, why, why, how is, how is this? Like, you just shook my hand and said, peace be with you. 14 seconds ago, now you're giving me the finger because I'm not moving fast enough out into the intersection, you know, mm -hmm. and now they don't have to do that. They can just get their beliefs. People can just get their beliefs as they like them in the privacy of their own home. They don't have to fight with people in the parking lot. They don't have to listen to preachers or, or, or priests who say things that they don't necessarily agree with. Sure. You can 100% get what you agree with if you look hard enough. And if you look hard enough, there's someone saying exactly what you want to believe. And then you feel right. And so then you want to make sure that they keep doing it. So you want to support them financially so they can continue to tell you that everything you believe is true. That is how church loses its appeal. Like part of the idea of going to church is being with other people who are like-minded. And I think we're increasingly drifting to this place. And this isn't even a conservative kind of thing because I, I have very many uh, liberal and progressive friends who are similar to same-minded. Like, I don't want to be around people who are just like-minded. I want to be around people who are same-minded. And we can't, we can't agree to disagree about anything. Mm. You know, if, 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 if I have to agree to disagree, then I don't need to talk to you. I would rather talk to someone who I can always just agree to agree with, you know, and again, it's, it's, it's a, it's a laziness. Misery is easy. You know, you don't have to fight if you always agree with everybody all the time. And if you curate your friends and your social media experience and your life experience that way, then the only thing, you know, your only misery is when you go to work because, you know, they let anybody at work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how do we, how do we support people who have become to that place of disillusionment? And it's, it sounds juicy and interesting to buy into the conspiracy theories. How do we help them in doing the work that is theirs to do? You know, to really question their beliefs. If you think someone's in danger, you know, then convince them to seek help. Discussing why they want to have faith in this one particular thing is a really interesting place to start these kinds of conversations. So why do you want to accept that, you know, Justin Bieber, A, why do you care if Justin Bieber is a reptile? But B, why do you want to accept that he's a reptile as part of your spiritual journey of serving a higher power, of serving God in this. How is that even a spiritual journey to have this kind of thought that reptiles are taking over or, you know, you're, you're getting microchipped or whatever it is. How is that even considered to be a faith? Well, I think it's because the reason that you want to avoid being, um, chipped is because you want to be of service to God. God put you here to fight the devil. And so there's this kind of martial attitude where you're fighting evil and you're fighting evil and you're fighting evil. 
And you have to know what evil is before you can fight it. And so you have to root out evil and then fight it. And that's all the what's of it, right? But they, they genuinely believe that they're doing the Lord's work. How does violence help, right? Mm-hmm. How, does, how does belittling or turning people away, how does being mean help? And there's an unhappiness and a dissatisfaction and also this feeling of smallness. But one of the things that I think is at least in effect is more even than looking at all the stars in the sky, 20 minutes on the internet will remind you of how insignificant you are. (laughs) Nobody cares what you have to say. Nobody cares about your life. And it's it's a feeling that that the internet generates and it's not a true feeling but it's it's that you know I only got 12 likes on that post or you know no one's no one's listening yeah. to my you know witty insights nobody's clapping for my memes or 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 what have you and it can make you feel small and people who look like me and especially people who look like me and who are my age we hate to be made to feel small and we lash out you know, and there's a lot of lashing out going on and disguising itself as faith. And I think if you can invite people to, to realize that, that can be, that can be helpful for both you and them, you know, but driving them away is, is counterproductive because it just, it just feeds into their persecution complex that Mm -hmm. everyone is out to get me and nobody understands me. So it's really about looking at the beliefs that we buy into in society that meaning if I have 12 likes, there is some formula there that says that I'm not loved, right? Or I'm not lovable. Right. Yes. And so the work really is about how do we challenge those beliefs that are external beliefs of what success looks like or what faith looks like or what um, spirituality looks like, you know, by doing our own internal self-awareness, self-emotional maturity, spiritual maturity work. Absolutely. I, I agree with that hundred percent. How am I, what is my responsibility in this? You know, always like right. how, because you're, you're the way that you feel about things and the way that you react to things is possibly the most control you can have. And of course you could say something insulting to me and I could be immediately insulted. But before I say something mean back, I could say, well, A, was she trying to hurt my feelings? Mm-hmm. And B, was she right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you were right and not trying to hurt my feelings, then you don't deserve a lashing out at. Or if you were wrong and not trying to hurt my feelings, you still don't deserve to be lashed out. You know, mm-hmm. we're we're getting we should be able to feel like we can speak honestly to one another, but realize that that honesty is going to come with some hurt feelings and that the hurt feelings have to be in good faith. You know, that the, it has to be a good faith. I know you're not trying to hurt my feelings. I know that you're saying this because you believe it, but it did hurt my feelings. And now we can, now we can go forward. Well, I think some of the things that you said about how we behave with each other in society, it's very difficult right now because we've been so polarized Yes, to just be able to disagree with each other 
and it not mean Armageddon or it not mean that you're evil because you don't agree with the way that I see the world, right? I think it's very important for us to separate who we are from from how we vote, <laughs> you know, for, uh, to separate, you know, separate who we are from who we affiliate ourselves with. Right. You know? And that that's really all about, again, understanding yourself. And that that's, that's so hard. Am I behaving the way I think I'm behaving? Like, are other people getting from me what I'm what I'm projecting? Right. Because if they're not, then only I can change that. Because if everything you say offends someone, it's time for you to say, well, maybe I have to change the way I talk mm. to people. Mm-hmm. I understand what you're trying to say in that we have the ability as humans to really do self-evaluate, you know, is mm. the way that uh, we're, we're being seen by people the way that we want to be seen. And if we do have a sense of spirituality does my spirituality means that if you don't agree with it that yours is wrong and yours is evil you know that Satan's got you yeah absolutely that turns someone into an enemy for no good reason right and i mean enemies are easy enough to come by we don't have to we don't have to go out looking for them right <laughs> and so there's something in the conspiracies that bands people together against an evil entity exactly right they are part they are part of a core group that is right fighting against everyone else who is wrong Uh, one of the members one of the sherry schreiner believers that spoke to me there's this idea that there are the good guys and that there are bad guys and then there are people in the middle and now sometimes the bad guys can possess the people in the middle and make them do bad things but for the most part the people in the middle are just potential collateral damage, right? So if you're not a member of the Bilderberg group, right? If you're not a member of the New World Order, or if you're not a, or if you're not saved, uh, the, one of the 144,000 people who are definitely going to heaven. Oh no, yes. Yeah, then you're in the middle, and your soul is up for grabs, and they're fighting for your souls. Each side is fighting for possession or control of your soul you need to be one of the saved if that is critical to your self-identity then you're going to do anything to defend that is there a way for us to engage in love and not add to the delusion not talking about facts is really helpful not pointing out that the queen is definitely not a nine-foot reptile is, is, is useful in you know, talking to people about things that you can agree on. You can find common ground and say, yes, we can work together here. Here you and I can say, yeah, I wish they would pave the streets or taxes are too high or whatever. You can have a nice conversation about something that's meaningful, but also that's not polarizing because we all want the best for our towns. I mean, we say we want the best for our country, but what we really mean is we want our country to look the way we want it to look. Mm. But we really do. We all want the garbage picked up. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we want the kids to be safe in school and happy. And so finding common ground. Right. And being more trustworthy. We have this, this complete loss of trust in so many things. And being able to restore that isn't something we're going to do in big sweeping ways. It's we're going to do it in small interpersonal ways mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna be nice to a to a stranger and then to say oh not everybody's an idiot 
Like, oh, look, that person, you know, sometimes you need someone to be not an idiot at a specific time. And if they do that, it makes your day better. And you're like, all right, maybe people aren't all that bad. I think what it really boils down to is that we deal with the individual on an individual basis, you know, finding the commonality, not being pitting their facts against my facts, which are really nobody's facts anyway. Right. Absolutely. One of the things that I'm becoming a little vocal with among my friends, among my trusted friends, I do not like the word Trumpers at all. Okay. You know, because when you say they're a Trumper, it's like you're supposed to know everything about them, mm-hmm. you know, and it's 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 a shorthand that only makes you angrier and doesn't make you smarter to find new ways to categorize people negatively is, is just counterproductive. It means that you're playing into the hate and finding ways not to play into the hate is what I think is critical. And being conscious of your participation in adding to anxiety in the world, you know, is, is, is critical. You, somebody's got to make it not worse. And it could be you. There are people who hide their deep, depression behind these beliefs. And that's something that it's important to be aware of. When people are are wrapped up in these conspiracy theories, a lot of times it can be a way to stay on the internet all night feeding mm-hmm. this feeding this emptiness. And that's the only thing, especially if it's a person that's close to you, you know, are they acting out of faith or are they hiding from some depressive feelings? Mm-hmm. And it's something that you should at least be aware of when you when you come, like if it's a person in your life. Tony, tell us where we can get your book. Um, you can get it at any place you get books. So you can get it at draggedintothelight.com. Uh, There's a link there, but you can get it on Amazon. The audio book came out last week. So if you'd like to listen to the audio book, uh, the audio book is more popular and better reviewed than the, uh, than the print book. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm happy. I'm happy about that. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us and just opening up this dialogue. We don't really talk about these kind of things in the spiritual realm. You know, when we're talking about spirituality and personal development, we don't go here. So it's been uh, just an eye opener just to be able to engage around it. Yes. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Sure. And for our belief buster posse, I'm glad that you joined us on this really interesting and controversial topic you don't have to believe in everything but we can we can dialogue about it right we don't have to make each other wrong we don't have to persecute each other we can just be interested in what our fellow humans think about what matters to them all right so be kind out there see you next time If you are enjoying these conversations about assessing your belief systems and how to transform outdated beliefs, then please subscribe and give us a positive review. To support this podcast and its transformative work, you can also become a sponsor for as little as $5 a month. You can reach Rev Cherie at info at beliefbusterspodcast.org. To continue on this journey of evolution, you can also get my book, Turning Your Why into Why Not, at Amazon.
Amazon, or any other bookstore, which gives you practical tools to do this work. See you next time on the flip side.